to the Gone Boss Podcast. My name is Matt Howell, and with me in the studio... Uh, your co-host, Angie Rogers Howell. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay today. Awesome. Well, tell us about the Gone Boss Podcast. Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome women in Muncie. Uh, we'll take each week uh, one or two women and focus on see how they went boss, how they've gone boss. All right. Now, there's there's more to this Gone Boss podcast. Uh, podcast than just interviewing uh, uh, women. We, we also have some uh, fun stuff coming up, such as uh, some banter back and forth about uh, our lives. That's true. I mean, you may know that Matt and Angie, we run Farmhouse Creative together. Uh, we're a husband and wife team. Um, so we live together. We work together. Most of the time it works okay. Sometimes, Sometimes not so not. much. <laughs> uh, but most, there's more good days than bad days. So now, it makes it interesting. It was about, what, three or four months ago now that uh, we came up with the idea. It was actually a, a, a photograph of Angie that I took that we thought, oh, that looked good on a business card. And then we started thinking and uh, thinking way too much about it. And a we lot about it. put together kind of a, a concept um, about a good girl gone boss because right. you... Uh, growing up, uh, didn't grow up like me. Uh, no, you grew up a heathen. <laughs> I did not. I grew up very good girl, um, very, very conservative Christian. Some we lightly, nicely term it in our house, super Christian. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, very much, very much what you can can't do instead of what you can do. Yeah, like uh, Scooby Doo. You know, oh, that yeah. was that was on in my house. Uh, we watched Saturday morning cartoons, things like that. Did no. you do that? No, absolutely not. Uh, Scooby Doo was evil because uh, I don't know there were like monsters and ghosts and whatever. Even That's though true. at the end they were, it was always the kids <laughs> that somebody was dressed up as a monster. It didn't matter. There were monsters, so Scooby Doo was out. Uh, Smurfs. Smurfs. Absolutely no, because Gargamel was a ghost or not a ghost. Gargamel was a wizard. Oh yeah, uh, and that was evil. And then like there was gro- magic. Looking, yeah, there was magic. And looking back on it now, like there was only one Smurfette. Uh, I don't know. Where did all those Smurfs come from? I don't know. I don't know if that bothered my parents or not. <laughs> but now that I look back, I'm like, well, that's a little weird. Uh, so Smurfs, no. What about Care Bears? Nope. I mean, they had the. the- Oh, I know magic. care is in their name, but uh, <laughs> no, that they were magic. Um, actually, I was allowed to watch Care Bears for a while until, so I got like really into it and I really liked it. And then yeah. my parents must have like looked at it closer and they were like, oh wait, there's magic in that show. So eh, no more Care Bears. So I, oh I liked it, but then it got taken away. Uh, Rainbow <laughs> Bright wasn't allowed to watch that. Uh, Voltron, He-Man, She-Ra, pretty much anything that was on Saturday morning cartoons, no. So what did I, did I watch? Yeah, what did you watch? Oh, I watched a lot of PBS, so lots of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and Sesame Street. And that's funny because your dad was Mr. Rogers. I mean, he's still Mr. Rogers, yes. (laughs) And my cousin uh, owns his own plumbing company and it's Mr. Rogers Plumbing. So shout out to Mr. Rogers (laughs) Plumbing and Anderson, Indiana. There you go. So yeah, uh, so lots of Mr. Rogers, lots of Sesame Street, um, Three, two, one, contact. You remember that show? Oh yeah. Three, two, one, contact, contact. is the boom, answer. Boom, boom, boom. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, those kinds of things. Now we're about uh, five years apart in age. I'm a little older. Matt's you're a little a, younger. Matt's so an old man. All these uh, cartoons you talk about—that's that, like in my realm. You're a little bit, a uh, little bit older. So I'm trying to think of like the late younger. '80s, early '90s uh, cartoons. What, what, what were some other ones that? That you weren't allowed to watch, or you were allowed to watch? Uh, I remember my sister, when she was growing up, we watched, uh, she watched DuckTales a lot. DuckTales, okay. Um, I loved Scrooge McDuck. Uh, you'll find out 
in this podcast that I am Scrooge McDuck embodied. Um, so I Scrooge McDuck was always my favorite. Uh, I hated it when they like went into like the mythology lands or whatever, and like they had the ro- the gods and the whatever. That mm. was that was not that was not okay because that was not <laughs> Jesus and that was not okay. Uh, so we watched a lot of Je- Ducktales. I think Lisa watched Gem and the Holograms and stuff like that, yeah. but. Uh, Okay. Did you grow up with cable or over the air only? Just only regular TV. Me too. There, we so. had an antenna, which my dad like souped up to like. Could um, you turn it? A knob. Yeah. yeah. You would turn this knob and it would turn. So then we could get like Fort Wayne stations yes. or if we turned it the other way. We could get Dayton stations or whatever. So yeah, we had that. We could get uh, Channel 40, which was the uh, Christian station. Oh yeah. Uh, from Lester Summerall's church. So we got that and they played like Gospel Bill on there, which I'm sure you don't even know what that is, but it was a. Uh, now, Channel 40, though, in the afternoon, did they play uh, Hogan's Heroes yes. and... Uh, Bonanza. Bonanza, yes. Ugh, yes. <laughs> I think they still do, because I, I catch my dad out in the uh, uh, in, in, in the garage watching that stuff. And Yes, we. my dad did watch Hogan's Heroes a lot, okay. and I thought that show was dumb, and I did not like it. I, I enjoyed the Hogan's Heroes. I thought it, it, it was, they were sneaky. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just didn't get it. I was too young, I think. <laughs> So that's a little difference uh, of growing up because I got to watch anything and everything uh, that was on TV just about. Um, you know, some of my favorite programs were like uh, the Dukes of Hazard, uh, Knight Rider. Um, they had the show called Manimal at one time. Manimal? Uh, yeah, what, the guy would turn like in. A... He would turn into a uh, some kind of creature, hmm. usually per um, per episode. Wasn't that like an th- SNL sketch or something? Wasn't I there think a so. Manimal? <laughs> I, not that I was allowed to watch SNL because I definitely was not. But <laughs> yeah, so th- those were my uh, my favorite nighttime programs. Now, what what did you watch at what night? I mean, we were talking about cartoons, but uh, what at night? At night, we anything that was good and wholesome. So touched by an angel. Oh, You're always talking about that. Touched by an, I I do not like <laughs> touched by an angel, uh, but we watched it every. I don't know what it came on Highway Thursday, Friday night. Highway to Heaven, touched by an angel. My dad. Here's the story about touched by an angel. Okay. My dad is more of a sensitive type. I don't. I think that's weird, but whatever. I don't think you got any of that. But. No, I did not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but so my dad would, we'd watch Touched by an Angel. We'd all have to sit there as a family on like Wednesday, whatever night it came on, watch watch his program. Um, and then every, like, it's not a big reveal. Like every episode she comes out, I'm an angel or whatever, right? <laughs> and my dad would cry every single time, like Every week, I'm an angel. And you look over, my dad's like crying. And we're all like, dude, did you not see this coming? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, uh, like this, we'll have more stories of your uh, growing up and being the good girl who has gone boss. And what we mean by that is uh, uh, somewhere along the line, you now own your company. I do. I own Farmhouse Creative. I started it in 2012. Um, growing up, if you ever said, Angie, one day you're going to own your own company and you're going to like go talk in front of people and do whatever. I would have said you were out of your mind. You were a quiet kid. I was. I was a little reserved. So quiet. People ask my parents sometimes if I knew how to talk. So um, I just didn't have a lot to say. And there were other people in my family who were much louder than me, namely my dad and my sister. Uh, (laughs) So I think they did a lot of the talking for me and I didn't need to. So, um, so yeah, but now I own farmhouse and I've gone boss and um, it's a running joke in our in the company that I'm the boss, but nobody's outside people don't seem to think that sometimes. They always oh, come yeah. and ask to talk to the owner, Matt. 
We've uh, we've had some uh, delivery people that are like, uh, where's the where, where's the owner uh, to Angie? And she's like, well, that's me. <laughs> we had one delivery guy who looked to Matt and said, well, gee, you've got such a pretty looking girl working here. You must have to pay her extra because she's so pretty working here for you or something like that. And I was like, well, actually, I own the company and he works for me. So... I yeah. like them apples. <laughs> I think that uh, that became a Facebook post at one it point. It did. So. It got a lot of traction on that one, too. So for Christmas this year, Amy, uh, Amy Leffingwell, who works for us, she got me a little plaque for my desk, a nameplate that says Boss Lady. So awesome. I can point to that whenever the delivery guys come in. Well, today we are talking to Watasha Barnes Griffin, uh, currently at the YWCA of Muncie. Very good. Give us a little bit of your background, though. How'd you get here? Well, I got here. My mom and dad pushed me out on March 28th in the 70s, and I am uh, born and raised in Muncie, attended Muncie schools, and my family is is here. Uh, graduated from Muncie Central, went away to college for a bit, came back here. Um, met my husband. He worked for GM. We decided to plant here because our moms were, were here, and um, my background is all in human services, social work. So it's just grown. And and over the last twenty years, I've done a plethora of tasks as it relates to people and um, sufficiency. So cool. Tell me what you're involved in right now, and then we'll also uh, I'll ask you about uh, before this. Currently, I am, of course, you know, the YWCA. I am one of the, the newly appointed school board members for the Muncie Community Schools, um, um, a board member for Women in Business Unlimited. I serve with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Muncie as the secretary of their board. And then I do some things with um, Muncie Black Expo and the Martin Luther King Dream Team here in town. Okay. And... Before all that, like you were involved in other things in the community over the past 20 years. What are some of the highlights that you you can recount? Holy smokes. Um, She's been involved in a I've lot been of invo- stuff. I've been involved in a lot of things. <laughs> One thing I'll have to say is that everything that I am involved in has to encompass women, the, inv- the advancement of women, um, and the um, leadership stewardship of, like, children because women – our nurturers and we create life um, and then we re- birth these kids who will then be f- our future leaders and so um, women and children are my passion so anything that I'm involved in has to include that I've been involved in a little bit of everything in Muncie um, served on like Delaware County Prevention Council where we want to make sure that kids know the dangers of drugs and alcohol so champion there um, served with some city some city positions like some advocacy roles with like the city of Muncie and some things at Ball State I don't know I could just just keep going no problem you don't want me to so I was going to ask about uh your recent uh Athena award recipient uh tell us about that experience what was that like for you it was like I was honored um I'll say maybe maybe in 2015 ish I think it was I was I'm working at I worked at a better way services for um, about eight years as their prevention coordinator and so as a younger um, 
nominee. I was nominated for the Young Athena at that time, and even that was an honor. So I see myself 15 through 18, not much time, but in those three years, like a lot has happened. Mm. Um, I've been involved in a lot of things, and just my – just for me, it was just my normal everyday work life, and so I don't feel like it needed to be awarded. But this year, Julie Metzger and um, Dr. Terry Bailey and a couple others were like, "Hey, we really feel like you would be a candidate, and we want to we want to submit your name as a nominee." And I was honored. So when when I looked at all of the um, other nominees, I was like, "It's just some good people." Like, and I honored to receive the Athena but I'm like there are so many women doing good work all the time um and I think we all should be acknowledged but anyway so I was excited I wasn't prepared and so I'm not a cursor but when they called my name I was like holy shit I don't I don't have anything to say and my husband's like you'll get up there you'll have you will find words to say and so I'm just really honored. I, I love Muncie and um, this community and just being able to serve here is, is a privilege. Um, and again, I say being able to work with women who come from nothing to the woman that's sitting at the corporate table of wealth, being able to meet and, and interact with all of those is, I consider it special. So yeah, I appreciate WIBU and um, those who nominated me and, and even the Athena International for having this be available. What's a shining moment for you that uh, that you think you've uh, caused some change in the world? Jeez, that's a tough question. Just it is. One. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, for me, like I, this work, I I work with people who struggle, who need support. So just seeing someone who comes and and needs help in a way, um, maybe just doesn't have a place to stay or is struggling with making a major life decision, just to be able to see someone at one place in their life and being able to give them either a word or some advice or an actual tangible thing to help them make it to the next level. That is really, for me, is uh, fulfilling to me. Being able to be this, I don't know, Facebook, social media, psychiatrist of sorts. Like I get a lot of messages, inboxes, people might reach out for a plethora of things. Hey, I'm looking for a job, or I'm in a, in a re- relationship that's not healthy, or uh, my kid needs shoes. Like being able to be a kind of a roving and walking resource and being able to just help people live better, that for me is like a shining thing. I don't know if there's a particular moment, but that's my thing. You've said before many times over is you have a personal board of directors, correct? Absolutely. So uh, tell us about your board of directors. Like that was a new concept I hadn't uh, really thought about before. Um, so yeah, I do have a personal board of directors. I don't remember when that first was brought to my attention. I was in some trainings years ago and just talked about the people that, you know, influence you and mm-hmm. speak into your life and help you at different points in personal or professional careers. And so um, I was like, oh, like a direct a board of directors and so I started to look at people that are involved with my life or give me advice or tell me to go forward or slow down or whatever and started to kind of identify them and put them down on paper and then I went to them individually and said hey this is what I'm asking of you and actually today at uh, coffee I was with Casey Stanley and although we are probably the close in age mm-hmm. kind of went to school together but I asked him today would he be willing to be someone that I could include in that and for Casey it's we're the same age but mentorship to the point of his professional life and some things that he's going through currently and experiencing he can 
give me some input insight some of the my, my board of directors are women men some for professional um, support some for personal some for balance some for crying some for you know suck it up and 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 do the work um so they all play a different different role and um they all may not talk to me all the time but when i need them you know they're there and we can connect so it's not like we're actually get together all at one time and sit and have a meeting you know but it's individual but monthly no we don't have monthly board meetings (laughs) (laughs) but i do have something planned at some point i will bring them all together um and just to celebrate them a little bit but yeah they're there so depending on what i need at that moment that is who i would go to when i need some tough love and uh you know what you've got this like bulldog bulldoze it go talk to jeff howe or he'll reach out to me, or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so dependent, Bibi Barami is another, and um, Dr. Terry Whit Bailey, Peggy Sanova, Yvonne Thompson, um, Julie Metzger. So, you know, in, in different phases of my life, some of them are, oh, you're doing a great job. Somebody else is like, you're doing too much, back off. Or um, So that's that's what it is. But they are just a guiding tool for me. Like it's a really cool concept and to like mm-hmm. put it down on paper so you can mm-hmm. be intentional about mm-hmm. it um is really really neat yep. what are some of the hurdles that you face personally um and how'd you overcome them some so being a woman of color being a a, um, a, a female leader mm-hmm. in general like there are tables that i feel like women should be sitting at that we're not so trying to fight through some of that and bust mm-hmm. through um, to be at those tables, to be to have a voice is one of those things. And then for me, equally, it's just being being a black woman. You know, oftentimes in a room, I'm the only person of color, sometimes the only person of color and woman in the room. Mm-hmm. And so um, learning how to, to work through that. A Ball State student asked me that yesterday, and I'm, I'm like, at this point, I don't even – it doesn't affect me. I'm like, I'm not bothered mm. if I'm in a room. The only woman in the room doesn't bother me at all. The only black woman in the room, I kind of forget. I just have, I'm here. Right. You know, make sure you know that I'm here, and I'm going to make sure you know that I'm here. So um, that is huge. But really, not just about color, but women in general. You know, we still are not where we need to be or you know not sorry matt but we love you matt we love you but but i still take notice like when i go to an organization i look and see okay how many women are on the board Mm -hmm. um are there women of color Mm -hmm. is there representation all across the board Mm -hmm. um i don't know that men pay attention to that because they they just go in and like i do what i do which is fine Mm -hmm. but like when i look at a organization like how many women are in in leadership, on staff, on their boards, all of that. And in a lot of organizations, I still find that that's lacking, even in 2018. So Still lacking. Not to yeah. hijack your... Interview. No, you're good. No, I mean, I say it around Muncie, so, you know, people are like, when are you going to run for office, or when are you going to... I'm like, that's not, not something that I aspire to do here soon. But I know because of the work that I do, at some point, my voice will get a little louder as it relates to to things that um, affect women and, and families. I have the privilege of being with the YWCA and really now being involved on the national level, pushing our local to be more aligned with the national. But being able to go, to, you know, and travel and be at, you know, the Capitol building and to, to, to maybe oppose Kavanaugh or, you know, sign off on 
um, um, letters and, and appeals as it relates to women in healthcare and all those things. So I know at some point my work will go from like boots on the ground, helping people to moving towards making change in policies uh, for women. But in Muncie, I still look and I say, there are no women that really have the keys to the city per se. Mm -hmm. And so not that it has to be me, but my, my job and my goal is to bring someone up that could be and will be. I know I get interviewed all the time. Yesterday it was, she was really asking about how to engage your community, how to become engaged and involved in your community. Um, mm -hmm. So we talked there. And then she asked for some advice. I mean, she's a student. So I told her when you, you know, engaging and being involved in your community, don't don't just limit yourself and put yourself in a box to only be with one sector or do one particular thing. Could be open to um, exploring and experiencing. And I just kind of bragged on Muncie a little bit about, you know, our community and our uh, support of each other and our philanthropic um, love and, and all that we all give to each other. Um, pretty close-knit, but at the same time, you know, uh, challenging because there's, for instance, so many nonprofits, and they all do good work, and there's so many dollars, and we all are. But telling her just wherever she gets involved um, to do what makes her happy and be passionate about it and um, be open to growing and learning and doing different, stepping out of that comfort zone. Well, thank you for thank you. Uh, joining us today. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm for taking the time to come out here and, uh, and talk to us. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thanks. All right. Angie has a few things that she hates in life. And, uh, Maybe more I, than a few. <laughs> I find them hilarious, so I am going to ask her right now to tell us about something she hates. All right. You know what I hate? What do you hate? I hate toilet paper commercials. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous. We all use toilet paper. I don't know why we have to have it on TV. You gotta enjoy the go. I ah, I hate those. <laughs> I hate that. It's terrible. Like enjoy the go. Like. Ugh, that sounds gross or the one where they're like more less pieces left behind yeah. like if if you have pieces left behind you're doing it wrong number and one of course they use bears because only bears go bears in the woods and they only go in the woods but bears don't use toilet paper <laughs> i don't understand i think it's so weird i know it's like a necessary item and i talked to holden our 14 year old about this once and he's like well how are you gonna know which ones are the good ones i'm like I could just test, like, I don't know, I'll buy one. If it's not good, I'll buy a different one. Like, I don't know that it needs to be But there are different types of toilet paper. Well, there I mean, are. You I get mean, those, that cheap kind. Like, I think we have some in the uh, bathroom here. We do have some in the, in the office here. And, like, yeah, okay. It's not Angelsoft now. Well, it's, yes, it's not Charmin <laughs> either. Now, Charmin, I, I, it's so thick and soft, you think, this has to be bad for your uh, septic system. It does. I mean, we have a septic system. We don't have a, you know, city, you know, sewer yeah. or whatever. So, like, yeah, that stuff. And then we've got, if you've got teenage boys, I don't think you need Charmin because they don't need any extra help plugging up the toilet. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, they don't need any extra. They spend extra. some time in there. They do. And, ugh. <laughs> gross so i don't know why we have to advertise toilet paper on tv on commercials like everybody uses it we don't need cute fluffy bears we don't need cute fluffy like slogans and taglines or whatever like that i'm going to use this to wipe my butt i don't need to make it cute and fluffy 
And it must be a multi-billion-dollar industry uh, to compete for the, uh, uh, the the toilet paper share because of how much advertising there is about you toilet think, paper. I mean, you've got Charmin and AngelSoft <laughs> is out there doing stuff, and like I don't, I'm sure there's other ones. Continental, they've got like whatever. Oh, yeah. Like I don't, I don't understand. Who are these? Who are these ad ad agency firms that get these get these accounts? So you know what we're gonna do here. We're all in a room. We're in a conference room at this big stuffy table, you know, with Johnson and Johnson talking or whatever, poop. talking about poop and wiping <laughs> your butt. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna make these cute, fluffy bears, and they're gonna <laughs> and they're gonna be in the woods talking about pieces left behind. And what? What executive was like, you know what? That's a great idea. Yes, let's jump on that. And then the next, the other people at like Angel Softer, you know, you know what we'll do? We'll get like a dog. It'll be so cute and fluffy. And I'm like. Who all these people are saying, yes, that's what we want. I just don't understand it. This is what I hate. Thanks very much for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. On Instagram, find us at goneboss2k. And on Facebook, just search Good Girl Gone Boss. If you like what you hear today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to tune in next week to find out who has gone, gone boss. boss.